you found us at Freedom Church this evening. Sort of a strange feeling this evening. We're out of our normal way of doing things. I know people are apprehensive. They don't really know what to think. They don't know what the future holds. And I would remind you that on that very first Friday, imagine what the disciples must have felt like. They had no idea what in the world was going on. They were apprehensive. They didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow. At least we have the benefit of knowing what happens on Sunday. But for the next little while, we just ask you to just relax and worship with us as we commemorate that evening. And we just love our Lord. you for all that you were willing to go through just for us. 
Lord, we ask that over this next little while that you be in our be here in our midst. We ask that you be with those who are watching us. Help us control the anxiety that we feel about what's going on right now. And Lord, we just love you. We give you the honor and the glory. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, a happy Good Friday to you. It's so good to have you be a part of uh, this special Good Friday service with us. We celebrate tonight and on Sunday morning the most significant events that have ever happened in human history, the defining moments. Now, we do this in a season that, as Tony said, is such an unusual time for us. But as uh, Jackie was reminding me in the last week, it really is interesting to consider that here we are this year as we've gone through Holy Week, as we come into Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, and everybody is having to stay at home. Everybody's kind of locked away and uncertain about how this is going to unfold. And, and a lot of folks fearful about the future. And just to remember how much this reflects in so many ways that very first Holy Week. Everyone that was a follower of Jesus apparently was locked away throughout the weekend, wondering and waiting, afraid and so uncertain about the future. But I'll tell you that the image from that account that just has stood out to me so much this year is to remember how on Sunday night, when the disciples were gathered in, in just somebody's house, locked away, afraid to go out, afraid to come in contact with anybody else for, for fear of harm or death, and in that locked, I imagine, just, just dark and somber place, suddenly Jesus was there. There was no knock at the door, nobody unlocked the door, and yet suddenly Jesus was just present with his people. And the first thing he said was, peace be with you. And he, he began to speak to them, and he breathed on them, and, and shared the Holy Spirit with them, and, and commissioned them. And everything was different after that because of the presence of Jesus. And my prayer and hope is that tonight, wherever you are, whether you're taking part in this alone, sitting looking at your computer screen or your phone or TV, or if you're sitting with friends or, or your family, my hope is that Jesus will invade the space that you're in tonight. And that in ways that I could never hope to do, that Jesus himself would speak to you at your point of need, hurt, or anxiety, and that you would know and feel his presence and his peace in your life. It's interesting to consider that all of this happened the week of Passover. Passover for the Jewish people for centuries had been that remembrance of the deliverance of God, but it was all wrapped up in death and fear. You remember how on the the night that the Passover took place, death visited every Egyptian household. There was truly, literally a plague that brought death throughout the land. And yet for the people of God, it was a different experience. Because with the blood of a sacrificial lamb applied around their, their doorposts, they were spared. It was not a frightening experience for them because they were covered and, of course, that was just a foreshadowing of the reality that would be fully lived out in Jesus. That through his shed blood, 
even though sin brings death on all the world, we live under a plague, and it's not COVID-19. It is the plague of sin and the separation from God and the death that it brings, but because of the blood of the perfect Lamb of God. We don't live in fear. We don't live in fear of death. We don't live in fear of disease. Life is different because of what Jesus has done. And this evening, we pause to remember his life, his passion, his death and sacrifice. I would remind you that the gospel writers tell us that on Thursday evening of that week, Jesus shared in that final Passover meal with the disciples and following the meal and the singing of a hymn, they crossed over the Kidron Valley just a little distance to the Mount of Olives. And there Jesus went through a a painful season of prayer and agonizing time there in the garden. And at the conclusion of that, an angry mob came out to arrest Jesus. Peter, to his credit, tried to stand up and, and lead the disciples in a fight to defend Jesus. Jesus wouldn't have any part of that. Simon Peter pulled out his sword and and swung for a head, and all he got was an ear, and he whacked that off. And it looked like in that moment that it would be a bloodbath, but Jesus stepped in. He wouldn't let his disciples fight that kind of fight for him, and instead he reached down and picked up the ear of the high priest's servant, and he reattached it. And in even that moment, as he's about to be arrested, tormented, and murdered, he shows compassion by healing Malchus. The mob grabs Jesus, carries him away, and the disciples scatter into the darkness. Through the course of that night, Jesus, bound, is taken through a series of seven mock trials. He's ridiculed and lied about, roughed up at every point along the way. And the following morning, at the behest of the Jewish leaders, and with the chance of an angry mob, Pilate, the Roman governor, finally acquiesces to their wishes and agrees to have Jesus put to death. But first he has him scourged with a cat of nine tails, beaten almost to death, bloodied, and he's literally at the point that he's already bleeding out. And Mark picks up the story in chapter 15, verse 16, by telling us, the soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, And then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross because Jesus was already so weakened by the loss of blood and the beating. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, and they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him, and the written notice of the charge against him read, The king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. 
He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. So someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. This evening, we're going to share in communion as we always do on Good Friday. And I want to ask you whether you were prepared for this or not. If you haven't already done so, go into the kitchen now. Find some bread, find some crackers, wafers, whatever you've got juice, wine, tea, soda, whatever you have, I want you to go get those and bring them back to your computer or your TV. I'm going to walk you through, and we're going to share together in a time of communion after we've had a, an opportunity to worship in song, but we want you to share together with us in that. If, if that feels a little uncomfortable, I want to invite you to step outside your comfort zone. The Lord Jesus wants to do a fresh work among us, and would you share with us in that time?
You need not say goodbye. The people will shout my name. Pilate will tell them there's nothing I've done to deserve this, but they will refuse. Pilate will stay me beside Barabbas, a murderer, and they will choose him over me. Pilate will appeal to the priest, insist on simply whipping me to appease their fury. But they will shout it louder, crucify, crucify. But still, you need not say goodbye. My hands will be tied to a post. The sound of the whip will ring in your ears and in your chest. The soldiers will peel the skin off my back. A ring of thorny branches will be pressed into my scalp until the blood runs into my eyes. You need not say goodbye. I will carry that cross. I will go to the place of the skull, and there they will drive the iron stakes between the bones in my wrist with a hammer that will nail my feet into the tree. I will be raised up as the world waits for me to die. Nevertheless, you need not say goodbye. Between two thieves I will hang. You may hear me speaking to my father, your father. You may hear me ask him, why? A child, you need not say goodbye. 
what you won't see, what you won't hear, what you won't know until all of this is done, is that in that moment, I was paying the penalty of your wrongdoing, every wrongdoing, every mistake, every act of envy, every word of hatred, every moment of violence and greed and spite, every selfish desire, every lustful thought, every moment of weakness and weariness, all the failures of human history will be in my hands and on my head. On that cross, I will suffer the wrath that was destined for you, every guilty verdict fallen on me. Your punishment will be paid for in my blood, and it will be enough. I will die on your cross. I will let out a final sigh. Know that I have loved you, and you need not say goodbye. But if you must, if you absolutely must say the word goodbye, then say it like this. Goodbye fear. Goodbye sorrow. Goodbye rejection. Goodbye shame. Say it like this. Goodbye guilt. Goodbye condemnation. Goodbye all the regrets of the past. Look up at the cross and speak the words. Goodbye addiction. Goodbye chains. Goodbye hopelessness. Right here in this place, say it aloud. Goodbye captivity. Hello freedom. Goodbye loneliness. Hello belonging. Goodbye defeat. Hello victory. This is the end of the curse. This is the demise of the serpent. This is all debts paid. This is, it is finished. Goodbye all the powers of hell. Goodbye darkness. Goodbye dread. Goodbye every sin. Go ahead and say it. Speak and be free, but don't say goodbye to me. Yes, you'll see them put the spear in my side, but remember, it's only Friday, so you need not say goodbye. We remember Jesus' death, we remember his suffering, but we don't experience Good Friday as if this is a time to mourn or grieve. We remember this with, a, with grateful hearts and we celebrate what Jesus has done because we look back at that through the empty tomb. We look back through the resurrection. When Jesus knew that, that the time was so short 
before he would go to the cross. On Thursday night, he knew that he had only hours left with his disciples. And he had to be pondering the question in advance of that. How would he spend those last hours? How could he pack the most meaning into that time? And Jesus realized that the best thing that he could do was to spend time at the table with them. That's exactly what we get to do tonight. There's something different about sharing a meal. There's something different that happens at the table. It's not, it's not a religious ritual. It's, it's not formality. It's what friends do. It's what family shares together to, to break bread, to share a meal, and to share your hearts. And that's what Jesus longed to do one more time with the disciples. And it was at the table that Jesus gave this simple, timeless remembrance. I can only imagine what he was thinking and feeling as he was wanting to impart something to them to help them remember not just that moment, but what they shared together. And so with the breaking of bread and the sharing of the cup, he said, every time you do this, remember my body that's broken. Remember my blood that's shed. He said a lot at that meal. One of the things that stands out the most clearly to me is when he looked at, at these men who had been his followers for the last three and a half years. And he said, guys, I no longer call you my servants. Because a servant doesn't know his master's business. From now on, I call you my friends. Tonight, the invitation is to come to the table and to experience the love and the friendship of Jesus. We're in a weird season, and yet there is something so holy and so good about the season that we're in. I really do feel like, even though I don't think God caused the, the chaos that's happening around the world, I see him working so powerfully in this. And I'll tell you, one of the really good things that I think is happening to us right now is that the Lord is stripping bare a lot of the things that had become comfortable and familiar for us, particularly in the ways that we live out and experience our faith. It has become so easy for us to imagine that following Jesus somehow equates to coming into rooms like this and rehearsing rituals. There's nothing wrong with the rituals, and I love this place, but there's something really right and really good about the fact that right now we are the church dispersed. We are the church scattered. We are the church deployed. The church is not weakened by that. In fact, I, I find myself sort of amazed that there are that there are leaders and just Christian people at large who who are so bowed up and defending the fact that we've got to get together. We've got to you know, claim our times and our buildings and, and have our worship gatherings. And don't get me wrong, I look forward to when we're back together. But I actually cherish the time that we're living in right now as well because the church is so much more than the gatherings that we have. And Jesus' work among us is so much more profound than an hour or two a week that we share when we're all together. It's so important for us to have a season where that's stripped away and we, we begin to realize the reality that when everything else is taken away, what remains is Jesus, his presence with us, his spirit living in us, his love for us, his friendship with us. And part of what we discover in times like this is that every single one of us 
We are priests and pastors in our homes, to our families, to those who live around us. And I know for a fact that God is wanting to and is using this season to call us out to a place where we no longer fall into that comfortable spot of just relying on the professional holy men and women to to lead the way and to do the work of ministry, where we all rediscover together this is our calling. It was by design that Jesus returned to the Father and that he handed off to his disciples and all of his followers, not just the twelve, but to to the women and to others the ministry that he had started, ushering people into the kingdom of God. Tonight is just another of those opportunities for you to lead in your own home. We're going to share together in communion. And I want to just encourage you now, even if that feels a bit uncomfortable, maybe you're sitting by yourself watching this service, maybe you're with your family, whoever you're there with or if you're just alone, I want to encourage you, to step into this time and what I'm going to do in just the next few minutes is just walk us through taking part in communion together. Some of you have led in this many times before, but for many, maybe this is the first time that you've sort of led in this in your home. And so I'm just going to walk us through this just part by part. Don't get hung up on the elements. I I intentionally didn't break out the the usual serving ware, the, the beautiful shiny silver stuff, because I want us here to receive in a way that looks similar to what you're doing at home. We're in plastic cups and paper plates. Don't worry about whether you've got bread or crackers or or whatever. It's, It's not about the elements. It's about the presence of Christ and our hearts being open to Him. And so I want to ask you in this moment, as just a beginning point of entering into table time, a time of communion, would each of you just pause right now, bow your heads, Close your eyes, and would you just say from your heart, Jesus, I love you. I welcome you. I welcome your sweet spirit in my life. Would you meet me in this time? Take a moment just to express that from your heart. And would you take a moment to just make sure that your heart is ready to receive. Just just pause and say, Lord, I confess my sin to you. I ask your forgiveness. And I thank you, Jesus, for your blood that covers my sin and makes me clean and whole. Now, part of what we do every time we share in communion together is we, we make sure that that we have allowed ourselves to be set apart to experience Christ in the mystical way that he comes and is with us at communion. And so we take a moment to invite the Holy Spirit to, to consecrate us and then to consecrate the elements. And so what I'm going to invite you to do is right there, whether you're alone or with your family or others, would you take a moment and I want to invite you to, to verbalize this one of you who's going to be serving there in your home I want to just invite you to pray a simple prayer that says Jesus we're we're asking you now set us apart fill us with your Holy Spirit and ask the Lord to take simple elements simple bread or crackers 
wine, juice, whatever you have. Ask him to take these simple elements and by the work and power of the Holy Spirit to cause them to now become for us the body and the blood of Jesus. Would you just take a moment to do that where you are? Jesus, we remember how on the night that you were betrayed, how at that Passover meal, you took bread and broke it and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we remember how after supper, you took the cup and you said, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, we do remember you. We remember your love, your courage, your passion, your sacrifice. We remember your death. And we remember and celebrate your resurrection. Now, if there are more than one of you watching together, whoever's going to serve, what I want to invite you to do now is to to take the bread and the juice and as you serve to just speak a word of blessing to each person that you serve it can be as simple as remember the body and the blood of Jesus or, or a blessing like this represents the depth of Jesus love for you and me his broken body and his shed blood so would you take time to do that and when everyone has has received and don't feel like it's got to just be one little sip of, of juice or wine have enough to savor that Tony's going to take time to just sing over us. And I just want you, once everyone has received, to begin to just, as you consume the elements, you may want to close your eyes and just let your heart and mind center in on Christ. And would you just be still in his presence as you receive the elements? And would you just reflect on him and just open your heart up to hear what he would say to you in this time?
Scripture tells us that after Jesus had paid the full price for our sins, that God raised him up and he put him in the position of greatest honor and authority and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This evening, let's celebrate together that we don't just serve a crucified Savior, but a risen King. Would you join as we sing together and celebrate our King?
a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Thank you so much for being with us this evening.